Welcome to Nutritionista, the official podcast about all aspects of nutrition with an in-depth view into women's health. We focus on nutrition for every stage of life, as well as body liberation, healthy eating at every size, eating to nourish and fuel your bodies, and working through health challenges with education and inspiration. We'll help you to walk away from the diet culture and understand the biochemical mechanisms behind disease and illness. Your hosts are Megan Hayes and Rani McCudden. Megan is an award-winning clinical nutritionist, biochemist, personal trainer and postpartum doula with a master's in both women's health medicine and reproductive medicine. With 12 years of experience teaching, training and supporting women and their families, her passion lies within the field of hormonal health, menstruation, fertility, birth control and pregnancy, whilst empowering and supporting women through postpartum and beyond. Rani McCudden is a chef and nutritionist from the Central Coast, New South Wales. She has an advanced diploma in nutritional medicine and is in her final year of a Bachelor of Clinical Nutrition. She also holds a diploma of practice management and is a physio-based Pilates instructor. She is passionate about sharing her love and creativity with food as well as the importance of nutrition with her clients. She also runs a small hobby farm and leads a paddock-to-plate approach to life. Join us here weekly to talk to other specialists and wellbeing advocates in the fields of women's and family health, parenting, fitness and wellbeing, all from the comfort of your own home, car or wherever in the world you may be. We're thrilled to share this time with you. Hello and welcome. Thank you so much for being here today. We are following on from last week's episode where we discussed hysterectomies and the surrounding stigma. Now, we are following on post-surgery with lovely Rani who went in and had her surgery last week or Saturday, actually. It was brought forward, yeah, wasn't it? Yeah, it was only like five days. Today's day five. Awesome. So how are you feeling? What's what's going on? Share with everyone um, a little bit about Yeah, so I, I actually feel a lot better than I thought I would. I guess I kind of thought I'd have the surgery and I wouldn't be able to do much for a good two weeks afterwards. Um, so I've been home for a couple of days now and um, like I feel... I feel good, but it's a bit of a, yeah, it's probably not the best thing because I get a little bit uh, confident and then I start to do things and then I'm like, oh, okay, no, I really need just now. Um, yeah, but no, I, I, I feel like I'm in less pain now, I think, than what I would have been if I had my sort of menorrhea type pain or my endometriosis pain, which is great. Okay, so the pain you're feeling now is less than what you would generally in, in the monthly it's cycle. Right. Yeah. Wow, okay. Yeah, um, definitely. All right, so... If you haven't listened to last week's episode, I highly recommend going back and listening to it. However, if you don't want to, that's totally cool. Um, we're talking about uh, hysterectomy. So that's the removal of the uterus and the cervix, depending on what kind of surgery you had. We broke them down further last week. Um, often the surgeons may also remove ovaries and fallopian tubes during the surgery. But the one that Rani had was the bilateral salpendectomy to remove all the cancer tissues found within her cervix. Is that correct? Yeah, so I had my cervix, well, I had um, cervical cancer. So I had that, my cervix removed. Then I also had my uterus removed and I had my fallopian tubes removed as well, just as a protective mechanism so I don't then go on and develop 
ovarian cancer or, or something like that because um, abnormal cells can obviously travel along the fallopian tubes if you do leave them in place. So, yeah, correct. Yeah, I had a, almost a complete hysterectomy, but left the ovaries obviously to, to avoid going into menopause. Yeah, okay. So to follow on from that, generally after a hysterectomy, a healthy lifestyle is no longer an option for most women. It becomes a necessity. So often they find weight gain may be an issue. Sleep it can be a huge issue. How have you been sleeping? Do you know what? It's I, I'm a terrible sleeper. And I don't know if it's because I've been, I was on pain medication for a few days, but I am sleeping the best I think I have ever slept in my whole life. Like I'm getting a good eight hours every night and I'd normally be fitful, restless, up and down, and, and oh, it's, it's so far the best side effect, I think. I mean, if they're having day naps, it's great. <laughs> yeah, for day naps. <laughs> I'm like a nana now. I'm like... <laughs> how, how have your moods felt? Most women kind of describe feeling irritable or so forth as kind of their menopause generally kicks in. How have you been feeling yeah. that in that sense? Well, it's funny, like, Going the day of going into the surgery, I guess because of COVID, um, I had to go into the surgery on my own. So I was, I was so overwhelmed. I cried. My poor nurse, um, who was doing my my obs and my intake, had to deal with my, you know, I guess my emotional tirade, just letting it all go. Um, I've been emotional being in hospital on my own, but now I'm back at home. I feel. I mean, I feel good. I feel happy. I feel, I guess, like I'm not in pain or anything like that. So, I mean, I have to admit, I did get a bit irritated because obviously I can't do anything. So I have to rely on Steve. And um, I mean, we do things very differently. And he, you know, I guess I was irritated the first day I got back because I wasn't even allowed to carry a coffee cup to bed. But um, I think that's like, you know, I wouldn't say that's abnormal. I guess it's just adjusting to the hierarchy. But no, like my moods are great. I feel really positive as well. Yeah. I guess due to the nature of having my hysterectomy as well and the fact I've been so positive and pro, you know, pro to all the good points about having it, not sort of sort of dwelling on what I'm losing, but I'm looking at what I'm gaining. Yeah, correct. Oh, well, that's awesome. And you're not alone. I'm pretty sure I would have a meltdown too if my hubby was... (laughs) left in charge nothing ever gets done properly um okay so obviously now you're entering into like a medically induced menopause so that's when hormones are changing um so is your body however with good nutrition exercise and working on stress reduction we can obviously offset the downside of a hysterectomy in terms of moving into menopause um If we can set up like a nutritional protocol like I would with many of my other clients, I guess the the positives of that is you can keep weight gain under control, keeping it to an absolute minimum, uh, keeping the sleep patterns, which are amazing. So uh, I'd be wrapped if you could keep that up. Um, and then obviously making sure you're taking care of the nutritional deficiencies. So in terms of menopause, we're talking about the... I guess the heightened chances of heart disease, stroke, broken bones because of osteoporosis. So then there can be an onset of type 2 diabetes and so forth. So I guess the main takeaway for all of it is to, during recovery, eating enough calories to maintain your body weight. And if you're not eating enough calories, as you mentioned anyway, the first few days you just had absolutely no appetite then if that was to continue, yeah, if that was to continue, you wouldn't be gaining enough fuel 
to support that healing process. Obviously, it's kind of a downside of the actual surgery process, and I don't think you're alone in not having much of an appetite after that. However, obviously, now you're eating a little bit more than you were before, and every day gets better. Would that that be correct for yourself? Yeah, definitely. So in hospital, I really didn't eat a lot. I think I was, I mean, I took in my, my bone broth, and I just had that like with every meal, um, because I could only manage a few mouthfuls. And I think you're very swollen and distended. Yeah, correct. Um, so I did find just eating very uncomfortable. So, and it would often give me a little bit of um, sort of gastrointestinal pain as well and reflux, um, just due to that distension. So, I, I mean, I lived off bone broth and just small bites, but it was probably yesterday, I think, was the first day where I'm like, not ravenous, but like my normal appetite had kind of kicked back in again. And I was like, you know, I actually really want to eat breakfast. I actually want to have lunch. Um, and I felt, I guess, more excited about eating and, and eating nourishing foods as well, like not just sort of reaching for just anything. Yeah, I guess, look, one perk, I guess, of having it at this time of the year, obviously, we're in the middle of winter. So it's probably easier to have warmer, kind of more nourishing foods as yeah. opposed to being in summer where that's a little bit harder. So that's probably one benefit in your case. Um, so would yeah. you say to most that kind of either – going to go through this or have been through this in terms of hunger it took to about day five to kind of really connect back with those hunger cues and for you to start noticing them yeah definitely it was day, day three or yeah, day three I was a little bit hungrier um but day four day five I definitely found that my appetite had sort of kicked back in and I really wanted to establish I guess back into those nice good eating patterns again of having a good breakfast I mean this morning I had my my toast with um, avocado and feta I had some um some curry I made some chicken curry for lunch so I'm back to being normal again which is Gives me more energy as well. I was probably a little bit flat the first few days and lethargic, obviously not eating, surgery. So I feel more energetic now. I feel full. I feel better. Still a little bit of abdominal discomfort when I do eat, um, I guess, because I do have a distension. And when I'm standing and doing things, I notice that I do get a bit of swelling. But definitely feeling a lot more human now, which is great. Awesome. All right, so I wanted to kind of run through my top six kind of supplement ideas in terms of nutrient support. My number one would be focusing on the neurotransmitters. So this would generally happen in the clinic setting and it would absolutely be personalized medicine. So there would be no generalized kind of going on in that setting. However, Um, what I would be more inclined to keep an eye on is your serotonin levels. Generally, they would start to really dip around here. So if you're more likely to feel anxious, that's something that, yeah, would generally be requiring support. Serotonin is a hormone that will be likely to be affected after your surgery as your hormones naturally fluctuate. Low serotonin makes you feel anxious, depressed and stressed. So now would be the time to kind of consider how you're getting that into your diet and looking at giving that a boost to make you feel great. My second one, and I'm sure you're all over this, is magnesium. (laughs) So (laughs) um, essentially for recovery, sleep, mood stabilization and bone health now that you're entering into the phase of menopause. Um, How... What, what's your take on that? What would you kind of look for in terms of magnesium? Yeah, I mean, I love, I have um, a product that I use 
it's, it's a magnesium blend um, with B vitamins. So it's kind of like great for muscle recovery as well as um, energy. Yeah. Um, I use it a lot as a Pilates instructor. Um, <laughs> just, I just, uh, it's one of my favorite go-tos. Um, I just, yeah, I love magnesium. And then magnesium rich foods, like your meats, your, your leafy veggies and that kind of stuff. Nuts. Yeah. My number three suggestion would be vitamin D. So I consider vitamin D is one of the most underrated vitamins. And I don't know about you up there in sunnier New South Wales, but down here in Victoria, it's pretty abysmal our levels that we get down here at this time of the year. Okay, so we can get vitamin D from the sun, obviously, um, but it's very hard to get here. So most people's levels would be low at this time of the year. You can get it from foods like mushrooms, egg, red meat, fish, cheese, liver, cod liver oil, and so much more. However, it's not in the greatest of bioavailability states, nor is it extremely high. Um, So vitamin D helps with keeping your mood elevated. Um, So just keeping those low moods at a bay and keeping your bones strong. So after surgery, you're more prone to osteoporosis in menopause and keeping those bones in tip-top shape is super important. So vitamin D supplements are super important, not only for regular men and women, but essentially for menopausal women especially, Um, no matter what cause of the onset of menopause, whether it's medical or not natural. Um, do you take a vitamin D supplement or do you find you get enough sunlight? What are your levels at? Do you know? Yeah, see, I, I haven't had my vitamin D levels checked in so long. Um, I probably, I think that will be part of my post, um, surgery protocol when I go back to the doctor and just to get a full blood panel again, yep. just to see how everything's going. Um, but like, I mean, coming out of surgery, I have been, I mean, I've got a lovely garden, so I spend at least half an hour every morning just sitting in the sun in my chair trying to expose my legs, my arms, my face to the sun. Um, and I'm outside in the garden normally when I'm not sick um, or not recovering at least two or three hours a day in the sun, um, soaking that up. But I guess, yeah, it is something to be mindful as I've never really considered that I was in that sort of um, population to, to, to take a vitamin D supplement. You kind of always associate that with something that when, you, when you're a bit older, it's something that you're sort of more deficient in. Oh, I see so many clients that have absolutely abysmal vitamin D levels. So it's something that's kind of at the top of my list that we would check for anyway, in terms of, I guess, autoimmunity, thyroid, kind of all the women's health and the hormonal things that come along with it. I haven't seen many women that have the optimal ranges that I would prefer to see in clinic anyway. So for me down here, it's obviously something that's at the top of my list. But I guess when I was living in sunny Queensland, it wasn't an issue. <laughs> oh, look, that's funny. We had ten, it was ten degrees yesterday, and oh my gosh, I, I thought I thought I was dying. It was so cold. <laughs> oh, you can't see me, but I'm playing you the violin because no. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, it's back to like twenty degrees now, so I'm fine. I've thought out. <laughs> oh, rub it in. No, we don't get much over that ten degrees here most days, so it's freezing. Um, so my number four would then be probiotics. So a, a lot of surgeries they would use antibiotics prophylactically so what that means they would give you a dose of antibiotics regardless to make sure you're not catching any infections especially anytime there's an open wound or wound recovery so do you recall exactly kind of which strain they gave you did they they explain much about it what what happened um i I was a little bit out of it i guess (laughs) um those first two days of course (laughs) don't remember much 
other than being in a bit of pain. Um, I did have um, both days I was given IV administered antibiotics. So I was taking a probiotic before surgery. Um, I do, I take them on and off. I get into this phase where I'm like, you know, I'm really good. I'm super healthy. I'm taking my probiotics. And then I kind of like, you know, I sort of forget. And then I'm back into the swing, you know. But I was, I was really mindful of getting my body into the best shape for surgery. Yeah. Um, so I am taking an amazing probiotic, um, eating probiotic foods. Haven't really dabbled back into the fermented foods yet just because of the distension. So Absolutely. I haven't gone into my kimchi or my kombucha and that kind of stuff. I think I'll wait until this sort of sort of dissipates a bit more. Yeah, absolutely. That would be advised anyway. Um, so one thing I noticed about women transitioning into menopause post-operatively is that they're more prone to thrush also. So taking probiotics daily and the good one that you are taking is great um it can really help with removing that uncomfortable symptom so it can be caused by dryness too and we'll talk about that in future podcasts which is totally fine um in terms of probiotics though it is something that i wanted to mention with practitioner only products as opposed to what you would get at the supermarket or a chemist Um, I'm usually on my soapbox with this one too. So in terms of, um, yeah, yeah, practitioner only products is they're a lot higher strength and they have a lot more, they include many more strains. So in terms of taking prophylactic antibiotics, it's always kind of worth finding out which one in particular, so we can know which microbiome strain is effectively being attacked and wiped out, if not all of them anyway. So that in terms of taking, putting the right things back in instead of just a general one that may not be correct, there are so many different kinds of probiotics. So yeah. it's worth chatting with your practitioner to finding out which is the best one for you. Um, my number five would be zinc and vitamin C. So they are kind of my go-tos, especially at this time of the year anyway, in terms yeah. of immune support. However, in this case, we're talking about for optimal healing and antioxidant support. So I think those two are underrated being at number five. They should be a little bit higher, but they are, yeah, they're absolutely the goes to in terms of especially wound healing. My, yeah, definitely. my number six would be omega-3. So it doesn't necessarily have to be fish oil. Um, a lot of people kind of get confused and we do have a big chat about this if they are vegetarian or vegan. Um, fish oil is often referred to as the go-to for omega-3 supplementation because fish have a high dietary intake of algae. So, And it's the algae that is the most beneficial. So... Don't stress if you are vegan or vegetarian and you don't want to take fish oil. There are some amazing supplements. And there's one that I actually take that isn't even fish oil. It's algae-based and it's actually much higher and easier to digest and whatnot and doesn't taste terrible. Um, So having a high-quality omega-3 supplementation here so would be great for healing. Um, Did you want to add anything else to that one? Yeah, I mean, I don't take a fish oil, but I love fatty fish myself. So I'm always eating salmon, sardines. Oh, I love them. Yeah, um, So I do have a diet. And because I eat more of a Mediterranean style with fish probably three, four nights a week. Perfect. I, we do consume, you know, fish, which I love. Amazing. And uh, it's, it's a big thing too when it comes to mood stabilization as well. There's been so many yeah. studies done around, yeah anxiety, depression, reduction, so many amazing things. 
Um, so that kind of tops off my top six, but there are a few other points that I did want to talk about anyway. So collagen is a big one. Um, I'm yeah. not going to tell everyone that they need to go and take it, but it is worth noting that women lose up to 30% of their skin's collagen within the first five years being in menopause. It is the main structural protein within the body and it's the, the protein that is responsible for keeping our skin tight and wrinkle-free. So, you know, <laughs> it kind of starts to drop over the years. Yeah. And it also has many other amazing functions within the body like wound healing and muscle formation and bone support and integrity. So it can be taken, obviously, I guess there's many ways to take it now. So you can pop it into a smoothie in terms of powder form. You can take it in a capsule. Some are really pricey and I guess it's worth doing a little bit of research into the types of collagen because there are quite a few. So some that you might see at a chemist or supermarket can be a little bit overpriced boring yeah, ones that don't yeah that, that's not a huge bang for buck um so do a bit of research or reach out to a practitioner that can kind of guide you in the right direction however collagen i feel is really beneficial in terms of healing from a hysterectomy or any general surgery yeah. um, i would generally add it into bone broths i even add it into meals when i'm doing slow cooks and stews um that and gelatin would you yeah. like to add any more to that one? <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. I agree. Like I, whenever I make a chicken um, bone broth, I always throw in a few legs of chicken feet um, yeah. because yeah. it really improves the collagen intake and, and the gelatin um, within your broth. So you get that nice fatty gelatinous type layer on top of it when it cools down. Sounds terrible, but it's delicious. <laughs> I know it sounds disgusting, but do you know what? It's like it really makes it, it has a really nice flavor and it really brings out that chickeny kind of it's delicious trust me it absolutely does and no it just flies on no with that yeah exactly with that nose to tail kind of approach yeah, to yeah i love that i love waffle as well so yeah so no. do i massively underrated <laughs> um so, yeah. i also want to talk about having an adequate diet of protein so we're not talking just one general form of protein so having yeah. meats and eggs and nutrient combining to make sure you're getting enough general protein so instead of just living on one form of chicken whether it be chicken breast you want to kind of alternate and have some beef you want to have some turkey you want to have some eggs you want to kind of have a few different cups of meat too just to make sure you're getting enough over the stretch of the week including fatty yeah. fish and so forth what are your kind of favorite cuts of meat that you would have weekly Oh, see, I love a really good slow-cooked lamb. Mm -hmm. um, it's probably one of our staple at least once a week. And a roast. You can't go past a roast on a Sunday. <laughs> um, and then, like, sort of oh, poached chicken. So I love to do a poached chicken. So I poach because we have a large family. So I do two chickens poached in, like, um, ginger, garlic, um, spring onions for, like, two hours. And it's absolutely amazing. Mm -hmm. And then you use the juice from that to cook your rice. And it's kind of like... If you've ever been to Singapore, the Singapore chicken rice? No, but I want to. <laughs> um, it was like when I went to Singapore, I literally lived in the Hawker food stand and that's all I ate was chicken, Singapore chicken rice. So it's it's my take on, on that dish, yeah. I'll have to put the recipe up, but it's, it's delicious and it's great because you're using everything up. And then I use the chicken bones again the next night. I put them in the slow cooker and I make a broth out of it. So it's, it's a wonderful way to just use everything up. Mm -hmm. And it's such a great hearty dish for the whole family and it feeds a, an absolute crowd it sounds but then amazing. also i love i love seafood so i'm i'm really into like 
I love oysters, I love salmon, I love prawns. So I try and eat a variety of different seafood. Um, majority of my protein would be seafood based, I think. Um, yeah. I probably have red meat once, maybe twice a week. Okay. Um, like a steak or lamb would be my preferred. Mm. Not a massive fan of pork unless it's pork belly. Well, it reminds me of dinner yeah. tonight. We're doing pork belly and <laughs> oh, pork belly, pork oh, belly oh, ramen. Oh, but we're doing chicken wings in there as well too. So obviously I have a plan oh, yeah. for tomorrow as well. But yeah, I'm hungry already. So this talk. Hey, I'm hungry already. <laughs> <laughs> so wound healing itself requires plenty of energy. So getting that from food is a must. Proteins and a variety of vitamins and trace elements. So certain amino acids like arginine and glutamine are essential for recovery. However, formulations that are also enriched with um, omega-3 fatty acids and pantothenic acid, which is vitamin B5, um, they lower the risk of several wound complications. So having those in the diet in terms of food, food as medicine always, um, is amazing. So vitamin B5 generally, as with many other B vitamins, uh, come from beef, poultry, seafood and organ meats, um, egg and milk, if you tolerate them, obviously. Um, vegetables, especially mushrooms, like looking at your shiitakes and so forth. Yeah. Um, avocados, potato and broccoli, whole grains. I'm not a huge fan of removing food groups, so there's always those mentioned. Um, whole wheat, brown rice and oats. And then you have things like peanuts, sunflower seeds and chickpeas. So yeah. get them in your diet. That's why it's so important to have a varied diet. And Yeah. Yeah. Um, then... Talking, obviously, about the glutamine and the antioxidant micronutrients, like we spoke about before, your vitamin C yeah. and E, zinc, selenium, and copper. And they obviously improve healing of surgical wounds. All right, so to conclude today, I just want to have a quick chat about tips for good nutrition. So my obvious go-tos, obviously, we mentioned before, but feasting on colourful foods. So we're talking about disease-fighting antioxidants. So fill your plate with vibrant fruits and veggies. So think of anything from the rainbow red, orange, yellow, deep greens, blues. They're all packed with disease-fighting antioxidants, and the fibre from those should be the mainstay in your diet. Um, getting plenty of grains and legumes in the diet. So things like the whole grains we mentioned, oatmeal, brown rice, whole wheat pasta, they're all amazing high fiber options. Um, then when we're talking legumes like black beans, kidney beans, they're all high in fiber and antioxidants too. And obviously bright colors, so you can't really go wrong. Um, choosing proteins and fats wisely. It's really, really easy to just kind of call some food in when you're absolutely at the end of your rope and you just really can't be bothered but it does pay to kind of yeah plan ahead if you can so having a balance of lean proteins like chicken fatty fish so we're talking about those omega-3s again and vegetable bases of protein avoiding trans and saturated fats so especially trans fats saturated fats aren't as bad as they seem but yeah having those fried takeaway foods it's obviously not a great thing um we want to keep great fats in our diet such as avocado olive oil all those great fats don't don't avoid them at all um and then in terms of menopause we want to get enough calcium so for optimal bone health we want to get in at least 1200 milligrams of calcium daily that's an absolute minimum and with vitamin D attached to that. So having supplements, if you're not getting enough in the diet, is a absolute mainstay. 
Um, if you can tolerate dairy, go for it. Um, otherwise, things like canned salmon, if you can't get fresh. Broccoli, legumes, they're all amazing sources of calcium, as are the green leafy, so don't stay away. Um, and then you can always have a chat to your nutritionist or your practitioner too, if you are concerned, and we can investigate more in terms of a nutrient kind of discussion, or we can um, get a bit more of an in-depth look with a bone density scan. So they were just a few tips on how to optimize your recovery after surgery. Any kind of surgery, not just hysterectomies in general, but absolutely. Um, if you have any further questions, please reach out to us in the community group. Otherwise, I hope Rani has a great recovery and we will be back with some more amazing content next week. Thank you, Megan. Yes, it's been nice, relaxing, but I'm kind of almost ready to start doing things again. But yes, I can't wait for next week. I'm looking forward to chatting with you again soon. Awesome. Stay safe, Thanks. stay warm. We'll talk to everyone then. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for joining us today. We really hope that you each got something valuable out of this episode and we can't wait to hear what you think of it. Please, please make sure you hit subscribe in the Apple Podcasts, Spotify or wherever you listen to your podcasts so you can listen to the latest episodes that we release weekly. As we're totally independent with this podcast, we really do rely on your subscriptions, reviews and your shares to spread the word. If you have any questions, please join our Facebook group. It's totally free and we love getting into conversations with you all there. All you need to do is search for Nutritionista Community. If you want to read our blogs or would like to continue your health and wellness journeys with us, you can visit myself at www.nutritionista.com.au and you can see Rani over at www. Cut Rock Cottage, that's C-U-T-R-O-C-K, cutrockcottage.com.au. Until then, see you next time.